Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Church. We continue this series called Resilient. <clears throat> we have been walking with and traveling with this, this guy named Paul and a guy named Barnabas all throughout their journey, and we're seeing parallels of what they had to learn about a resilient life, right? Resilience means the ability to bounce back, and life is all about the ability to bounce back. So I want you to do me a favor. Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. If you've got your physical Bibles, great. If you've got the notes out, we'll use those notes to guide us this morning. Uh, if you've got the North Star app, is the easiest way to follow along, North Star Church, Georgia, in the App Store. All the notes are right there, and if at any point you're, you're looking for what you need, it's all right there in that app or on your notes. So let's get a picture where we're at. Every town, so God, the, the church gathered in the book of Acts, and then persecution happened, and the church scattered. And we find it go from Jerusalem to Antioch. And in Antioch, they were growing and, and blowing up and doing great things. And God lays on the people of Antioch, hey, you need to take Paul and you need to take Barnabas and you need to send them out. So they did. So Paul and Barnabas leave Antioch and they begin the journey that they were on. So basically what you end up, you, you find they go into a synagogue in a town, they preach, teach, and then they get run out of town. They go into another town, they preach, teach, and they get run out of town. But everywhere they went, they were just resilient. They just kept bouncing back. They kept getting back up, dusting themselves off, and moving ahead. Today, we find them on the home stretch, meaning they are on their journey, and now they're coming back to Antioch. But before they get there, They've got some stuff standing in their way. All right, so let's, let's talk about this real quick. I believe in your life, where you are today is not where God wants you to be. All right, so let's talk about this real quick. How many of you would agree today where you sit, compass, um, watching online this morning, you would say, yeah, I'm not perfect yet. Raise your hand, yet. All right, that's a very important word there. I'm not perfect yet. We're in process. God has a picture of where he wants you to be, right? And his picture is he wants you to look like Jesus, all right? Think of where you are today. How many of you would agree, if you agree, you don't look all the way like Jesus said, just say yes. Okay, we don't. We, we, don't, we don't look like Christ yet. We're in process but between where we are and going home, we will never look all the way like Jesus till we get to heaven. Between these two, there is a lot we've got to overcome. There's a lot of stuff. And when I say look like Jesus, I'm not talking about physically look like Jesus. I'm talking about in our actions, in our mannerisms. It reminds me <clears throat> hearing a story about a dad. A boy came to his dad and he said, he was 15. And he said, Dad, I want you to, I think when I turn 16, you should buy me a car. I think you should buy me a car. All right, it's a right of privilege, right? So I, I feel like you're supposed to buy me a car. And the dad said, well, I mean, I think you need to earn that. He goes, what do I need to do? He said, number one, 
your grades have got to come up. You've got to start making better grades, all right, number one. Number two, you've got to have better manners around the house. Your manners stink. You've got to start saying yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, around the house. Third, and this was the break, you've got to read your Bible every day and write it down and write down what you learned. And at the end of your 15-year-old year, if you've done those things, then we'll talk about it. So sure enough, boy turns 15, year goes by, goes to his dad at 16. And he said, dad, I did all those things. Sir, right, let's talk about it. your grades, thumbs up. You did good, really proud of you. Number two, I have to admit, your manners around the house have gotten better. Number three, how did you do with the Bible? And the boy goes, I read the Bible every day. I read it every day, dad. But there was a problem. The kid had let his hair grow out and was looking pretty, pretty skanky, all right? He was looking pretty rough. He had let it grow out, and, and his dad's like, but here's the deal. I really wanted, and we had talked about this, I really wanted you to get your hair cut. The boy had a comeback. He said, Dad, I know that, but as I've read the Bible, I noticed that Jesus had long hair too. That's what the kid said. And his dad said, yes, and Jesus walked everywhere he went. All right, and so I was just coming. So we're not talking about physically looking like Jesus, but we're talking about in process of looking like Jesus. Here's Paul, here's Barnabas. Man, they are exactly where God wanted them to be. Pick up with me, Acts chapter eight, 14, verse eight. Here we go. <clears throat> While they were in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. So this guy's feet were turned in. They were crippled. Most likely it had been like this since birth. He had been that way and he had never walked. He was sitting. Of course he was sitting, he couldn't walk. He probably sat there every day. And he was listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him, Paul realized he had the faith to be healed. <clears throat> so Paul's in a conversation. They don't think he was standing up and preaching. He's in a conversation, and he noticed this guy locked in on him. And Paul sees in his eyes that he gets what he's preaching about. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, and he said, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet, and started walking. So the picture is guy sitting on the ground like he had sat every day of his life. Paul said, get up. And it's not like the guy went, oh, you know, like I get up now, right? It's not like that. He jumps up. And man, it changes everything. I want you to watch the crowd. This is amazing. Would y'all stand with me as we read the final part of this passage? This is where it hits. <clears throat> when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus. Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. 
Now, the temple of Zeus was located just outside of town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd, they brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. So Paul and Barnabas are just doing what they're doing, and people all of a sudden start elevating Paul and Barnabas. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're gods. You guys, you healed somebody. You're amazing. And they begin to elevate two human people to a place they were never meant to be. Verse 14, but when they got it, Paul and Barnabas, they heard what was happening. They tore their clothing in dismay. They ran out among the people shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We're merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from worthless things and turn towards the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain, good crops, gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. I want you to look with me at verse 19. Then some Jews arrived from the church in Antioch, arrived from Antioch and Iconium, and they won the crowds to their side. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing this morning, would you say, God, I desperately need to hear from you. Would you pray that? God, I desperately need to hear from you. Speak to my heart. Would you pray that? Speak to my life. And speak to my journey. I want to look like Jesus Show me how to get there. Father, you've got our hearts. You've got our ears. You've got our minds. Would you speak to us now? And God, we give you this time. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Before you're seated, find three people and say, I know I don't look like Jesus yet. All right, do that real quick. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> you watch a really interesting thing happen in the story. You watch two ordinary men get elevated to a place, it's really like mistaken identity. They're going, whoa, 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 you got all this wrong. Point number one right there in your outline this morning is this. I've got to find my identity in God, not applause. I've got to find my identity in God, not applause. See, there was a hurdle that these guys faced. And it was the hurdle of applause. We like applause. We like for people to like us. All right. 
<clears throat> this isn't a right or wrong, but let's just say, how many of you have a social media account of some kind? It could be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Raise your hand if you've got a social media account. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. But how many of you would say, at the end of the day, I like when people like my stuff? Raise your hand, all right? If you go, I've got a MySpace, there's a class for you, all right? Then we'll, we'll have that another way. So we like to be liked. We love applause. Paul and Barnabas, up until this point, have been run out of every town. Paul and Barnabas are faithful, they're teaching, they're doing what they knew that God called them to do. And now in this town, they're like, you are like gods. You guys are amazing. And how easy it would have been for Paul and Barnabas to buy into the applause. Here's the problem with applause. I want you to write this down, ready? Applause are temporary. Applause are temporary. Never build your identity on something that's temporary. Applause are temporary. When you are, okay, let's take the Braves. If there's a Major League Baseball season, all right? And so let's take the Braves. I mean, everybody was going nuts last year when they won the World Series. Crazy. We were on a trip for our anniversary in a hotel room in Arizona. I mean, jumping up and down. Let them go on a seven-game losing streak. Snicker needs to be fired. These guys are terrible. Dansby stinks. Freddie, please, Jesus, let him be a brave. All right, and so all these things. Applause are temporary. Never base your identity. What is identity? I want you to write down. Here's what identity is. Identity is what we put our hope in. So we can get applause because of our job and where we reach. Yes or no? Can you lose your job? Maybe we put our identity in our relationship. Can we lose our relationships? You can lose your 401k. You can lose all of that. The trip from hero to zero is not far. Paul and Barnabas faced the hurdle of applause and they conquered the hurdle as they were coming home because they placed their identity in God, not in their success. It's a huge deal. Parents, our kids are growing up in a generation that's harder than the generation you grew up in. Okay? I, I graduated 1987. How many of you, let me ask you this way. How many of y'all have ever had somebody break up with you before? Raise your hand. Somebody's broken up with you. All right. <clears throat> if you haven't, we all hate you. But anyways, so we've all had that. Well, people broke up with me back then, but I didn't see within five minutes what they were doing tonight which our kids do. It's a harder generation. Do not let your children base their identity on you only applauding them when life is good. They need to know you're their safe place. That makes sense to everybody? You're their safe place. Paul and Barnabas conquered this hurdle, 
right? And I was gonna jump it as an illustration. There's really not enough room up here. Seth volunteered after the service today that he'll do it in the parking lot, but hurdles. So think about this. When you're running a lap in track and they face a hurdle, they don't get to go, no, 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 I don't like that. I get to go around it. No, 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 no. You gotta go over the hurdle. In life, we are gonna face the hurdle of success. Paul and Barnabas got it. But they learned enough to never place their identity in something they could lose. Verse 19, they lost it. Get this. So people are like, woo, you guys are the best. And in one verse, people from Antioch or people from Iconium, they show up. And what happens in one verse? Listen to what it says. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium, and they won the crowds to their side. And all of a sudden, the applause dissipated. Did that happen in the life of Christ? Sure it did. He rides into town on the back of a colt, and they're waving the palm branches. Hosanna, Hosanna. And what were they doing on Friday? They were crucifying him on a cross. Never play, and listen, I'm gonna be honest. I love applause. I love them. You like them. I posted something on North Stars um, this morning. I'll get on there later today and check how many people liked it. If people didn't like it, I'm like, what did I do wrong in my post? Right? Why didn't people like my post? We love applause. We love likes. But we, and they're fine, they're not wrong, but don't place your identity of them, in them. Look at what happened in the story. This is great. Pick up reading. Verse 19. Not only did they show up and turn the crowd, they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. So they're not only not applauding them anymore, they're taking out stones trying to kill him. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and he went back into town. And the next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. <clears throat> they encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them, look at this, that we must suffer many, and I want you to circle this word, hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders with prayer and fasting. They turned the elders to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Point number two, ready? Stay faithful in the hardships. Our second hurdle this morning is the hardship hurdle. Can I let you in on a little secret? Running the Christian journey is not an easy trip. There will be hurdles along the way. You know, it's interesting, <clears throat> I was thinking about this this morning, this is the lowest setting for this hurdle. <laughs> and it looks impossible to me, but it is the lowest setting for this hurdle. And this hurdle goes all the way up. Sometimes in life we face hurdles here. Sometimes in life we face hurdles here. Sometimes they're just life hurdles. I mean, it's just an adversity that comes your way. 
And other times, that hurdle gets raised up and you're like, there's no way I can do that. I can't get through this season of loss, of a job, of a spouse, of a child. Hardships. Paul and Barnabas did something really interesting. They didn't buy into the applause, and they didn't sit in the hardship. So if you're a new person to the church, meaning the church plural, like church across the world, hardships are part of your journey while you're on this side of heaven. So between here where I am now and here where God has for me, I'm gonna have some hurdles of hardships. And they're gonna come. I remember being a junior at Liberty in my dorm room, and I had a full load of classes. I was playing baseball. We had 60-game schedule, traveling. And I remember thinking, this is as hard as life's ever going to get. <laughs> Dear Jesus, if I could have that day back, right? I had no idea that God was going to save the toughest hurdles for future years. I'll tell you this, there's been some seasons in my journey I looked at the hurdle and said, I don't know if I can do this. I remember, I was telling, I was speaking to a group this weekend up in uh, South Carolina. I remember a night I rolled over and looked at Ann at midnight and said, I don't think I can do this. The hurdle's too big. I don't know if I can do it. I don't, I don't know if I got it in me. See, the hurdle of hardship makes us go, has God forgotten me? Does God know I'm going through this? It was interesting how Paul said it. He reminded them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Can I tell you something? Your hurdles are gonna come. Stay faithful in your hardships. But here's what was interesting. So Paul gets stoned, right? They bring out rocks. They stone Paul. But it said something really interesting. But the believers gathered around him. I want you to write this little thought down, ready? When I'm in a hardship, I need God's people. No, Mike, I don't. Oh, no, 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 you do. No, Mike, I can get through it by myself. Okay, let me know how it turns out. You need God's people when times are good, and you need, you really need God's people when times are tough. I remember one of those hardship seasons, I got discouraged and I would say it was borderline, I was getting depressed. And here's how I know. I love being with people. My favorite thing about my job is I love to be with people. That's my favorite part. Love, I love people. <clears throat> During that season of hardship, that hurdle of hardship, 
I started eating lunch in my office. Every, I, listen, some people don't eat when they get discouraged. I was eating, all right? But I was eating by myself. I just sit in my office. One day was my birthday. And I went to Zaxby's, that back there, picked it up, brought it to my office. But I didn't have a drink. And so my assistant, Ludell, who's been my assistant forever, Ludell goes, hey, I didn't get you any ice. Why don't you run down to the True North Kitchen, get some ice for your drink, because nothing makes you feel better about life than Diet Coke, all right? And so you go down there and get you some ice, and when you go down, there's a group meeting in True North that wants you to say hey to them. And I'm like, I don't want to say hey to anybody. Y'all ever get like that with hardships? Like you get discouraged. I don't want to talk to anybody. And she's like, they really want to see you. And I thought, I really don't want to see them, all right? I don't care. And, but Ludell, if you know Ludell, you got to do whatever Ludell says. So I remember, I go down and get my ice, and I'm like, all right, put on your happy face. Put on your I got it together face. So I get my ice, good crushed ice, which is God's ice, all right? And so I get my ice, and I go to pop my head in True North. And it was about 30 men from one of my Bible studies who were there to wish me happy birthday. And I remember just standing there. I'll never forget that day the rest of my life. Because in a dark moment, I got to lean in on other people's faith. These guys... These disciples, these men and women that were gathered, this early church, gathered around Paul. And I don't know where Barnabas, how did Barnabas get out of this deal? Was he faster than Paul? I don't know, but Paul's the one that got, I don't know, Barnabas is just hightailing it. But, but they caught Paul, but Paul jumps back up and goes right back to teaching. And he got through the hurdle hardship. Now I want you to listen to what he wrote later on. And a lot of scholars think it came from this story. He said this to the church at Philippi. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, and I know how to live on everything. And I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. My strength does not come from the applause of people. My strength, even in my hardships, comes from the Lord. 24. Acts 14 24. Then they traveled back through Pisidia to Pamphylia. They preached the word in Perga, then went down to Italia. And you're like, Mike, that's not how you pronounce them. You don't know either. Don't act smarter. All right, so keep reading with me. Don't, don't, don't get on your high horse. Here we go. Verse 26. Finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where the journey had begun. And the believers there entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work they had now completed. They were a success. They made it through the applause. They made it through the hardships. And upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them. 
how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too, and they stayed there with the believers for a long time. Hurdle number three and point number three, attribute my success to God. It's the hurdle of success. Can I tell you what I've learned over 30 plus years in ministry and many longer than that walking with the Lord? I've seen more people ruined by success than by hardships. Somehow in our brain, we did it. I made it. I accomplished it. I conquered it. I'm responsible. I'm the guy. I'm the lady. I did it. You know what you learn as you read scripture? Sometimes God saves our greatest hurdles to the end of our journey, not the beginning of our journey. When we can look like Paul and Barnabas, they made it home. And they said, no, no, no. This success came from the Lord, not from us. I want you to write a little quote down, ready? I want you to write this thought down. Hold all things loosely. Success and failure, hold them loosely. They're not yours. So you may not know this, the average, average size of a church in America, average, is 75 people. Average. It's not bad, that's average. And it's really easy to look at North Star and go, whew, we did good. Then I have to ask the question. I remember Steve and I were in a seminary class together and and our professor made this point. He said, do you really think you did good? Or did God just choose to bless it? So you any more, and I remember him saying this, are you any more, are you any better than that gentleman that served in that town for 50 years? The town hadn't grown, it's gone backwards, but he preaches, he teaches, he loves, he marries, he baptizes, he buries. No. Nor you. One of the questions on this retreat they asked us this weekend is, how did you get two kids to end up in ministry? What did you and your wife do? I, I would, this was my answer. They ended up in it in spite of us. Because we did more wrong than right. I ripped Casey over missing a fly ball like he had, like he had wrecked the car, right? Because at nine-year-old baseball on a Saturday morning, that's a big deal, right? I ripped him. And I remember getting in the car and Anne going, don't ever let that happen again. I went, yes, ma'am. All right, and so. It's the hurdle of success. You are one decision from going backwards. You didn't cause The success, God blessed you in spite of you. 
I love this quote. Don't other, let others' compliments go to your head and don't let their criticisms go to your heart. Hold them all loosely. Paul and Barnabas got it. They could have stopped at this hurdle and never finished the race. Or they could have quit at this hurdle because this hurdle wasn't down here. This hurdle was up here. Or they could have gotten home and let their guard down and let success and go, oh, yeah, yeah. But it was us. It was really us. It was our, it was our ability to communicate. It was our ability to speak. No, it was from the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, life will be a series of hurdles. What you do with those hurdles is the question. From where you are now till the day you go home to Jesus. I want you to write this down. Stay faithful to him because he will stay faithful to you. No matter where you're at. Some of you, I looked out in my first crowd and I had two people sitting in this crowd. I did funerals for their husbands this past year. Under 50. I don't understand hardship like they do. I look out in this crowd now and I've seen people walk through cancer and see people walk through loss. You get hardships, but you know it's not the end of the journey. You're gonna keep running. Stay faithful to him because he will stay faithful to you. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Man, our hardship may be something we caused. It wasn't something that came in from the outside. It was a choice on our end that led to our hardship. And our hardship may be something we had nothing to do with. God, I have a feeling... In the times Paul and Barnabas were alone with you, there was a prayer that went up like this. God, reignite the flame of the day I met you so I can keep running. Paul remembered Damascus. He remembered that Damascus road. He never forgot it. Father, I have a feeling that when they thought about who you were, the hurdles of success and hardships and applause got small. God, would you reignite our passion for you today so we can run this race like you've called us to run it.